Welcome to Yoga Chit Chat. I'm Phoebe Schiff, yoga teacher, podcast listener, and microcosm of an infinite universe. And I'm Karak Morinaga, Anusara certified yoga teacher of nine years, homeowner in Southern California of 11 years, and husband of 14 years. Every week, we meet virtually for an informal discussion on a common yoga principle, teaching, or theme. Today's topic is swadaya, the Sanskrit word for self-study. We're following up this week with the topic of self-study, mainly because the previous week's topic was adhikara, which we translated as studentship. In yoga, we are all students, and we continue to be students throughout our lifetimes. We're students of yoga, of the philosophy, we're students of the asana, we're students of ourselves, studying ourselves, and we're students of life. Swadaya can be translated or thought of as self-study of the philosophy, or it can be thought of as literally studying ourselves, and then we can think of the self in a couple of different ways studying our egos, studying uh, our bodies, studying our minds, studying our hearts, studying our spirits, or studying ourselves as the infinite universe. The biggest thing that jumped out to me in, in thinking about Swadaya is that it's, it's holistic self-study. It's studying all parts of the self, physical, emotional, spiritual, positive, negative, and in order to have this all-encompassing self-study, it requires you to study and get to know some of your more unflattering or painful qualities. And that's where this gets really interesting. For myself, I started studying yoga with the body. My first experience with yoga was in, it was actually at a 24-hour fitness, and I took an asana class that I loved. I fell in love with it the first day. At first, I thought that I was studying poses, that I was studying the shapes, and I was trying to somehow make better shapes, make better poses, and it quickly dawned on me that I was really studying myself through the shapes. When we say that we're studying yoga, yes, we have a specific set of poses and actions and alignment principles to work with, but they are really the tools and the lenses through which we look at ourselves, we study ourselves. And some of the things we discover and we're amazed at what our bodies can do what we can do on the yoga mat. And as you said, some days we discover things about our bodies that we're, we're not so happy with, that we uh, have to learn to either come to peace with or embrace or choose maybe at some times to shift and make a change. For me, it's becoming aware of, in becoming aware of the things that we don't love about our bodies the, the 
best way to react to that is to commit to working on them. So I have become aware of asymmetries in my body, which by the way, if you're a human, you're asymmetrical. So join the club. And it's very frustrating sometimes to feel asymmetrical. That said, we live pretty asymmetrical lives. And so us being asymmetrical in our bodies is just a byproduct of of functioning the way that we do. Most of us are right-handed or left-handed. We all drive on the left side of our cars. But then when it comes down onto your mat and you're realizing that you know, I'm only able to do this one bind on my right side. And then on the other side, I am just, I I can barely reach it. And that's really frustrating. And in using Swadaya and using self-study, I've come to acknowledge that. And now I'm committed to, to balancing that out. And this is where yoga as the physical practice becomes the entry point for turning your awareness inward and then starting to notice asymmetries in your mind and in your thought patterns. And an asymmetry in your mind or thought pattern might be judging someone for something that you do, which tends to be where judgment comes from. And then again, it's the same thing of becoming aware of that and then saying, okay, well, how can I balance that out? I love that you mentioned driving and always we sit on the left. I use this example all the time as well. I've been driving a stick shift since I was 16. So I don't want to even mention how many years that is, but it's a long time. And that has caused asymmetries in my body. And when I'm when I'm on the yoga mat and I'm having a hard time because my left hip is tighter than my right hip, or my right shoulder drops a little bit more than my left, I not only know that that happens in certain yoga poses when I'm on the yoga mat, but I've learned that it happens when I'm driving my car, when I'm driving the stick shift. So when you drive a manual transmission, your left leg is always poised to hit the clutch, and it's never really relaxed. So that tightens my left hip. And then to shift my car into fifth or sixth gear, I have to drop my shoulder to to reach that gear. So the car is causing these imbalances. And it's something that I've I've known and sort of made that association after after many years of yoga. And actually I get rid of my manual transmission car at the end of this month and I'm going to be driving an automatic vehicle for the first time in in many, many years. The study of ourselves, our bodies, hopefully starts to translate off of the mat and we make connections to things that we're doing in our daily lives. I also love that you mentioned then the self-study moves very quickly from studying our bodies to then making note of what's happening in our minds. This can even happen on the mat. If we react to frustration or challenge repeatedly in the same way, I find that very often the way that we react to a challenge on the mat is very much the way that we react to a challenge off of the mat. It's very rare that someone is 
easygoing when they're on the mat and then they're they're super intense off of the mat or vice versa. If you're intense on the mat, you're probably going to be pretty intense off of the mat. If you're easygoing on the mat, you're going to be pretty easygoing off of the mat. The yoga practice to me, the asana practice becomes a metaphor for what we're doing in our daily lives. It's this little laboratory of emotion and physical challenge of mental challenge. We put ourselves in these crazy shapes and movements and we see how we react under the various conditions. And then we observe, we, we take a moment and we study ourselves. And then, and this is Swadaya to me. We see how we react physically. We see how we react mentally. We see what comes up emotionally. And then we observe, maybe take a few mental notes. And then if we choose, we can then make a change. So the next time we're in triangle pose or the next time our hamstrings are feel like they're uh, about to split open, we can just take a breath. We can be calm. We can choose maybe a slightly different reaction mentally, emotionally, physically. And we can change ourselves that way by studying ourselves, observing, and then choosing a potentially better option in the future. And it happens in this very small microcosm on the mat, which is simply a reflection of our bigger lives, the macrocosm off of the mat. Yes. I love that you bring this up because as a yoga student, I think everyone reaches this realization at different times when they start to realize that their behavior on the mat is mirroring their behavior off the mat. And there's this really golden moment where you realize, oh, wow, this is exactly like how I'm acting in a situation in my life. Personally, I remember I was in your class, this was years ago, and I what you asked me to demo a drop back. And if if you don't if you're not familiar with dropbacks, um, you are you start out standing in Tadasana and then it's a back bend. And so basically you are dropping back and you land in Urdva Danyarasana. And you, you literally ask, bend over backwards. You literally right? bend over backwards. And so that's what I was asking you to do. Phoebe, will you literally bend over backwards <laughs> for me? Exactly. And I am I have quite a bit of flexibility. And and doing that is it's it's pretty scary. While you're doing it, it feels like you're free falling. And I remember for a while you had been spotting me, and the spot for that is wow, now I'm thinking about this, is grounding, is holding down my hips and keeping my feet planted. And I remember this particular time you said, Phoebe, I'm not going to spot you. I'm just going to stand here. I know you can do this. And, you know, there were like 20 or 30 people in the class. I'm like, Carrick, are you trying to make me look like a chump? And just you standing there, knowing that you would be there if something went wrong, I was able to drop back. And that for me realized in a lot of parts of my life at the time, I, I didn't need as much help as I thought. I just needed someone there saying, I know you can do this. So that was a really profound, intense moment 
Thank you for that one. You're welcome. <laughs> and and then there have been hundreds more. And and so Swadaya is is simply making that connection. And again, it happens for people at different times. The truth is, I know people and I have some students who may never reach a who may never reach that. And yoga will always be this, this separate practice for them. And I don't want to say that that's really any better or worse because I think people reach certain conclusions and revelations in, in perfect time. And through this, this lens of Swadaya, there's just so, in, so much information to be gathered. And then what, what happens is that then yoga can be this place to practice the qualities that you want to cultivate off the mat. Me, for example, in that instance, practicing not always requiring someone to hold me down to reach back for crazy things. I think you're right that each student will have a different level of connection between what they're doing on the mat and what they're doing off of the mat. And that's part of what makes it a self-study. We don't expect every student to walk away from a yoga class with the same thing, with the same learning, with the same recognition. That's part of what makes it the self-study. It's personal. Everyone has something different to learn from a class. It's amazing to me how I can teach a class with a given theme and if you interviewed people coming out of the class and asked people what the theme was, you'd probably get a couple of different answers. I would tell you one thing, but people might interpret the theme in different ways. And that's so beautiful to me that people can walk away from the class and get what they need. Someone else who I maybe asked to drop back in a class, the learning that they get out of that experience is completely different. Something else that happens very often is students will, they'll tell me years later about a class that I taught and they remember the class and they'll tell me, hey, Carrick, do you remember that class that you taught where you said this, you said this theme or you, you said this thing? And in my head sometimes I'm like, I know I did not say that. I didn't, that was not the theme. And I did not say that because that's not a thing to me. It's not a yoga teaching. It's, it's not in the way that I would say it, but the student got that out of my class and reinterpreted my words in a way that was helpful to them. And I think that's amazing. I think that's so great because not everyone's going to connect one-to-one with the way that I think this to me is Swadaya. This is making the practice personal. Even our podcast here, we've mentioned many times that we are not Sanskrit scholars. We don't have degrees in philosophy. We are just two yoga teachers who take our own studies of the scriptures, of the philosophy, and we interpret it in ways that we think will be helpful to our students. And then we chat about it. And we make it our own. And so some of the things, the ways that we define some of the words, 
might not fit completely with other yoga teachers or other styles of yoga or what you might Google or read in a book. And I think that's okay. We do our best to understand the original context of the Sanskrit and we, we do our homework. We, we do a little research, but I think it's important to remember that we are always looking at the philosophy and, and the study of yoga through our own personal lens. And that's going to color everything that, that we think and say. I've been thinking about this off of the mat in terms of, in terms of self-care. And I hesitate a little bit before using that term because that term has taken on a lot of different meanings that don't necessarily resonate. But for me, self-care has really become this self-study of how to be a good tenant of my body. If my body is the landlord, then I'm learning how to be a good tenant of my body. And that I've learned because I've tried, I don't want to say all, (laughs) I've tried a lot of different wellness trends. I've tried dozens of different personal development trends. I've, I'm very interested in this. Some would say, some would say too many, baby. <laughs> I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> After some self-study, I, I, I might agree with you. And after trying a lot of different things, I've realized that one person's, what works for Warren Buffett as a morning routine isn't necessarily going to work for me. And yes, I've read about Warren Buffett's morning routine. The key to figuring out how to be a good tenant of your body is is self-study, is does this feel good? We are similar as humans and we have very unique needs. So I have started to figure out that I need to sweat first thing in the morning. Like as soon as possible. And for a long time, I was working out in the evening. And then I figured out that's something that feels really good. I also figured out that eating a large meal in the middle of the day suits me more so than eating a heavy breakfast and dinner. I could go on and on. The point is, I've tried all of these different trends and fads and practices, and they haven't worked because they aren't mine. Through self-study, I have designed habits and practices that acknowledge my unique needs. And this is where yoga comes off the mat and helps us become aware of what it is that we really need. And we're not just trying to overlay something that sounds good. We're really answering our unique coding and desires. I agree that making the philosophy personal and meaningful and surveying a large range of tools and modalities is important. And I hope that we each do our due diligence and see what's out there and then figure out what works for for each of us. For myself, and I know for you too, Phoebe, that the two of us were very much about reading and doing contemplation and writing and doing things like the podcast 
where we're, we're taking in information from a lot of different sources, lectures and studying and books, and, and then we, we make it our own. I think it was Carlos Pomeda who describes studying. He, he uses the imagery of, the, of a cow chewing its cud. So it, it chews and then it, it like kind of regurgitates and chews it again. We do that. We, we chew the material, we chew it again and again, and then it, it turns into something else as we digest that material and it becomes something completely our own. And yes, we, we follow different authorities, for lack of a better term, on Sanskrit. And, you know, we have our favorite philosophers, everyone from Carlos to Christopher Wallace, and they're amazing and great. And we can quote them and remember their teachings. But if we don't, work with the material, if we don't chew the material, then it, it never really becomes our own. So I hope that we do continue to be open to different modalities, different ways of thought, different philosophies, and we take them in and the ones that are helpful to us, we're gonna keep studying them. And the ones that are not, we're going to move on and, and go back to what we do know and what we do believe. So I hope that we keep doing this, like we keep interacting with each other and then probably more importantly, though, interacting with ourselves, right? Again, it's back to a a self-study where it's this practice of turning in, taking the teachings, taking our experiences and observing them and, and making them completely our own. Yes. May we continue to chew our cud and regurgitate yes (laughs) what was your um original today your introduction what was the third one it was microcosm of an infinite universe i love that you chose that one for this particular podcast you are the microcosm of the infinite universe when we study ourselves in yoga we are studying the universe because we are microcosms of the infinite universe. We are reflections of, we are condensed versions of the larger universe. When we study ourselves, we study the infinite. This is pretty important to me because it's not just looking in and some type of self-centered, egotistical look at me, Karak Morinaga. I am also studying the vast inner workings of the entire universe by studying myself because I am a condensed version of the universe herself. So knowing myself better helps me to know the universe better. Knowing my essential nature, my qualities of the divine, Spanda, Chit, Ananda, Swatantria, all of the the qualities that we've covered in previous podcasts. As I know those qualities in myself, I know those qualities in the universe. So studying oneself is also studying everything. Makes it sound a little bit less self-centered, huh? Yes, because I, 
I think that, especially in today's culture, I think that sometimes being self-centered gets a very bad rap. Turning inward seems like it could be very selfish. But when we remember that we're connected to everything and that we're a part of everything, that we have everything within us, then it's an attempt not only to understand ourselves, but to understand the world, the way that we connect to others. We have to remember that when we know ourselves better, we also know the, the next person a little bit better as well, because we're all connected, because we're all one. And this, this practice of, of turning inward, and sometimes that sounds abstract, so maybe another way to put that is to, is to really listen. And what's kind of trippy is that we are both the entity that's speaking and generating information and we're the entity that's receiving and hearing it and, and making that space to, to be the listener and also to, to make the space to, to hear the information that your body and your spirit and your emotions are offering you is is not only in service to yourself, but it's in service to everyone else. Because when you, I, I used this a little bit when I was teaching last night, when we all hate when we're speaking and it feels like the other person is not listening. If they interrupt us or they're looking at their phones or there's a distraction, we all want to speak our truth and feel like the other person is listening. And sometimes I think that we're not very good listeners for ourselves because we don't give ourselves the time. We just don't give ourselves the time. We don't, we don't self inquire and say, Hey, how are you feeling today? Do you need anything? And so in, in this context, yoga to me becomes this practice of really becoming that kind of sacred listener of yourself. And, and Swadaya is that, is that space. It's that lesson, that curriculum of, hey, there's information here instead of just worrying about everyone else around me. So may we continue to, to be students of ourselves. I think you're right that we live in a culture where everything is so fast paced now and we're, we're trying to keep up with the news and we're trying to keep up with new technology. We're trying to keep up with this busy world that moves at this very fast pace that we often forget to take the time to turn in and check in with ourselves, to listen to ourselves breathing, to listen to the thoughts in our heads, to listen to our bodies and what they're telling us to do, which is often simply to slow down. In addition to that, I think the other challenge for myself anyway, has been Sometimes when I study myself, I don't always like what I discover. I think you alluded to this at the very beginning of the chat. And you might have been speaking about things more physically. You might have been talking about the way that we think as well. And that's often how I get frustrated with myself, where I don't often like confronting what I discover. I don't always like the way that I react when I'm frustrated. I don't like the react the way that I react when I'm angry. And those things can cause a friction or like a rubbing and they can be very 
difficult. So this practice of self-study is by no means an easy practice. It can go against the pace of life. It can go against really what we what we want to know about ourselves. We might discover and learn things that we we don't really enjoy or don't really like. But until we discover those things, they're going to be a part of us and we won't have the opportunity to make the change. So may we be students and may we study ourselves so that we can make positive change both on and off of the mat. Right. May we be students of both our darkness and our light. There's uh, a, an idea of the shadow, which was pioneered by Carl Jung, who's a psychiatrist. And the shadow is essentially the, the parts of our personality that we reject and don't want to look at. Accepting your shadow, coming to terms with it, looking at your reactions to things, even if you don't like them, is such a powerful thing to do. It's such a powerful practice of self-study because when you start to do that, you realize that all that we fear from other people is them seeing our own shadow. And so in, in doing self-study, it's almost like we kind of beat other people to the punch in figuring out our unflattering qualities, our darkness. And then it becomes a lot easier to kind of not care what other people think because you're like, well, I'm already aware of the fact that I'm kind of jerk. I'm kind of a jerk in that area, but I'm working on it, you know? And so that's where this, this all encompassing study becomes something that can really help us. Any other parting thoughts before we close this chat? I think this, you know, what I said before, this revelation for me of being a good tenant of my body is what's really landing for me today. So I encourage all of you to do the same. If you're listening to this, you're probably interested in yoga, which means you're probably interested in in growth and improving yourself. And so my parting words to you are, instead of just reading up on, you know, all of these different things that sound good, just follow what feels good for you. And and let that guide how you structure your days and your life. I think my primary encouragement would be simply to start thinking about your yoga studentship as a study of yourself. I think a lot of times we can think that we're supposed to be studying poses and actions and philosophy. And really all of those things are simply the tools and the subject that we're studying is uh, ourselves. And may we start to reframe and think of the practice, the yoga practice in that way, assuming that that's not already happening. We would love to hear about your self-study practices. We'd love to hear your reactions and comments to the episode please give us a follow on instagram our handle is at yoga.chit.chat and our website is www.yogachitchat.com thanks phoebe i'll chat with you next week talk soon